The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Right now on Fast Cut Ching, Walmart and Home Depot triggering a stock revival across the retail sector. The XRT surging higher by 4% today and more than 22% in just the past month. Do today's numbers mean the worst case scenario for the economy and consumers off the table? Plus, an industrial revolution. Names like Caterpillar, Deer, and the ETF that tracks these stocks grinding higher this summer. The Chartmaster is here to tell us if now is the time to harvest gains in the space. And later, wheeling and dealing in the auto space, shining a light on solar stocks and the wild options action in Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Dan Nathan, and Bono and Eisen. And we start off with a big comeback for Walmart. Shares of the retail giant jumped nearly 5.5% today, its biggest gain since September 2020. The move coming after the stock posted better-than-expected earnings and maintained guidance for the back half of the year. The stock has now climbed almost 19% above its May lows. And maybe more interesting, it's just 5% away from recouping all its losses since that hugely disappointing earnings report three months ago. So did today's report prove that the worst is behind us? And what is Walmart really worth? Has it gotten to a point now, Tim, given where the economy is, given where the consumer is, where it might be expensive? Well, I, I think this is the environment where you're supposed to own Walmart. I think this is the environment, despite the inventory issues and the, and the challenges that they've had, that they've announced and, and that we're going to hear about in some more detail with our next guest and, and, and analyze, uh, are, are things that are not unique to Walmart and they're, most, they're the most sophisticated retailer in the world. So um, what do you pay for Walmart? Uh, 19 times, 18 times, certainly above market premium. And I think you do. And one of the things that they pointed out, which is pretty obvious to everybody at home, is that food prices year over year were up 13 percent. This is the highest number since, uh, I don't know, 1979. Dan was eating cornflakes back then. Uh, your box of cornflakes uh, are, are probably, you know, you smaller. Know, uh, there are lots. That's right. They've actually shrunk the box and they've charged you more. But I, I just think, you know, the, the, the operating margin is something that we're going to continue to look at. We're going to certainly discount the fact that a lot of this excitement is coming from grocery sales. But that's really what you're expecting. What I thought Doug McMillan said that was extremely interesting is the trade down to Walmart, so to speak, which, I, you know, um, seeing it from, you know, upper middle class and people that are actually looking for bargains that clearly uh, don't like the same environment that um, some of the lower to middle class folks are. are Those with, with, with household incomes of more than one hundred thousand yes. dollars are shopping at Walmart now. Um, people in general, they're not buying deli meats they're trading down to cans of tuna, chicken and beans. This does not sound like a very healthy consumer yeah, so at this point. Th- so three quarters of that of that <laughs> Hold on, healthy as in healthful. Both. Or, I, Both. I mean, yeah. Cans of beans and tuna. Yeah, it's might be better more, than uh, deli. 
deli might, meat. Might I be. Mean, might be better than deli meat. Tough on anyway. guys' constitution. Uh, here's the one thing I'd say. So what they did say, three quarters of their market share gains in food was from um, incomes of over $100,000. So that trade-off, I think to your point, it doesn't really speak to a consumer that's doing great. We've talked about consumer credit where it's gone. We've talked about consumer savings where they've gone. So in a period where you're likely to see food prices stay high, I mean, if you think about what's going on with the situation in Europe and the hoarding of lots of foodstuffs around, you know, some of these agricultural commodities, I mean, we're going to do okay. Places like China are going to do okay. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Africa and that sort of thing. That's likely to keep food prices high. So when I think about what this means for Walmart, Tim just said this is the sort of environment you want to own a stock like. Well, well, people thought that back in April, right? That stock was making a new all-time high. We had just had um, a rate increase. We, the Fed was very serious about um, battling inflation. I think the food thing is going to be a harder one for them to do. All that being said, you said 19 times okay for a Walmart. It's trading about 23 times this year, 21 times next. And I just don't see it as a great value right here. I think the equilibrium might have been uh, shifted a little bit. But when you think about what they guided for 2023 fiscal year adjusted earnings, they had guided to, I think, a decline of about 12 percent. Now they're guiding to a decline of about 10 percent. I think that's probably going to be a moving target because I think some of this inflationary stuff as it relates to food is going to be hard to, to, to really get your fingers around. Yeah, I don't know if this is necessarily as bad of an idea for the consumer where we're saying, okay, clearly they're trading down to Walmart. But I think what you're seeing is clearly inflation is affecting the consumer. But what they're doing is they're trading down on things like groceries in order to make sure that they can continue to do things like travel, right? Because you're seeing this huge shift in goods and services, and I think that's what we're seeing. So inflation is affecting the consumer. I don't think this is necessarily detrimental for the consumer overall, um, but I think it is something to watch here. Right. When I think it comes to Walmart, I do think it's important to see that some of these issues are going to be shorter term with them. So we did see their supply yeah. chain constraints are coming down, which is a really good thing. They are starting to go more into e-commerce. And I think what's happening, there's a change in the way that the consumer is spending. And if they aren't following that, they're not going to be the same Walmart they were in a year or two years from now. But they are, in fact, doing that, which I think is good for the longer term standpoint. Isn't it good that Walmart, though, you know, if they are attracting a different consumer, a more affluent consumer in this environment, I, why can't that be sticky? Uh, you know, I, I love going to Walmart. I mean, to me, it's a place where I can find almost anything. And I do yeah. feel like I'm actually getting a Well, it leads you to Costco. And that is that demographic. And when you think about this news about the Paramount Plus and right. putting that into Walmart Prime, if they are able to capture a bunch of these consumers they never had access to because they're interested in that, and then you're layering on other services, that is the Amazon. Their e-commerce, right yeah. And, and that was the multiple I would have been, I was talking about in the show three years ago that I thought Walmart was going to start to to derive that right. they were going to get a little bit more of that e-commerce multiple on Amazon, which we've learned is actually really is really AWS, by the way. So is now the time to accord Walmart a higher multiple, taking into consideration the membership program of Walmart, where you pay a flat fee, you get free shipping, you get uh, Walmart Prime or whatever the streaming, or Paramount Plus, whatever they're going to maybe rebrand that streaming um, partnership as Bono in. Um, or do you think about Walmart still as dealing with things like higher inflation that it's grappling with, higher fuel costs? If you are of the belief that fuel costs are going to go higher because of either hurricane season or European bans come December. Um, Doug McMillan said maybe wage inflation is here for good. Maybe this is not a stock you want to give a premium to. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really in the camp that, that, that believes that we should be looking for a multiple expansion based on what we saw from this quarter, particularly. Now, I am willing to kind of give them a lot of credit for being able to pivot quite quickly, appeal to a new consumer base, which, we, which they've all spoken to previously. But again, if, you, if you're looking at where they're actually spending those dollars, where that growth has come from, it's really come from those lower margin grocery uh, staple type of items. What I would like to see and, and what would make me look for a premium multiple or an expansion of what is currently a premium multiple is if they're actually able to capture um, you know, clothing and other higher margin items that tailor to that, that higher end consumer. That's where that stickiness is going to come. That's where that bundling and where that expansion is going to come from. But right now in terms of, and they've been very clear, and again, I'm going to give them credit, they've been able to pivot and follow consumer trends. But the consumer is trading down. I don't see how I make an argument for expanding multiples based on the consumer, one, trading down, two, trading down to the very thing that is the, amongst the lowest margin for that company. So, right. so I, I tend to agree with you there, Mel. Let's play the game of I tell oh, you the scenario. Oh, it, you know, I guess feel like we don't play market. a lot of games yeah, I know. It's, it's very it long-winded. It's, it doesn't have a good, catchy name. <laughs> um, but let's say yesterday I said to you, Tim, yeah. that Walmart was going to have strong earnings um, the inventory problem is going to be a thing of the past, and the stock was going to be up 5%. And I asked you, what will the markets do? What would you say? So, so this sounds like, let's call this game earnings head fake. Um, and, okay. and, I, and I think, um, you know, the dynamic here, first of all, if you look at the market of Walmart to Target over the last year, Walmart's actually outperformed Target by 20% versus Target outperforming Walmart aggressively. I mean, the dynamic of what they reported today and the dynamic of, of what Target could report tomorrow, um, I think they're companies that are looked at differently. So, I mean, is the question ultimately... The question is, do you think the market should have been higher based on Walmart's report? The markets were dragged sharply lower based on Walmart's warnings. Walmart was up 15% into this print. Walmart's not a high beta name, and, and I think we did a nice options piece on this yesterday where you look at the implied vol on a couple of these folks, and that actually Target's got a higher uh, implied vol. And in fact, I think good numbers tomorrow to Target, Target's got more room to run. So I'm not surprised, you know, 5% move in Walmart's a very big move for this retailer. All right, so to answer her question, it was about the market. It wasn't about it, the it, single names, Tim. It's You're the not notion that last the week the markets were cheering. <laughs> I made up the name. I made up the no, game. But I, I I know. Did, but I did. You, you, did every, you just wanted to say what you wanted to say, which is fine. That happens on this program. I get that. Um, no, but last week we were cheering a, a relatively yeah. tame CPI number. Today we get more sort of current data from Walmart about the consumer, and it was pretty decent. And the, the reaction was just sort of, eh, I, I think that's it, nice. I think it tells you where sentiment is right now. It's mm -hmm. we are glass half full, whereas we are glass half empty. It was shoot first, ask questions later. And we had massive gaps from Walmart and Target over the last few months or so. So the fact that they can come just a month later, kind of tweak down that loss for the balance of the year. I got to tell you, I, I just said it. I think that's going to be a moving target. But I think it's how investors are interpreting this. Look at Costco. It's only down 3% of the year. Even Amazon, which was at one point cut in half from its highs a year ago, is only down about 12.5%. So it seems like investors want to move into some of these more consumer-centric names that they think bore the brunt of some of the sell-off earlier in the year. And now they think they're going to lead us out. I'm not sure we're out of the woods just yet, though. I mean, the reality is that this has beat the guide down, right, for Walmart in the stock rallies, Courtney. So how do you feel about the markets? Do you feel any better about it? I mean, does, does what Walmart reported change how you view the markets at this point? 
Um, not necessarily. I mean, I think there's good and there's bad of what we saw from Walmart. I think seeing the fact that the there is like a higher income consumers being affected by inflation is not necessarily what you want to see from the overall market standpoint. But on the flip side, we do need to see some of the softening in order for the Fed to maybe continue lessening their rate hikes as we mm -hmm. go forward. So. I don't think Walmart specifically really changes the picture, but I do think we are getting really positive signs that inflation's coming down. We also saw that with them also as some of their supply chain issues are coming down here, which ultimately is going to be a good thing for the long run. Yeah. Bonowin? Yeah, inflation is coming down, but consumers are clearly more stretched, which is why people making over $100,000 are spending money on canned beans and tuna at Walmart. No, I, I not, not at all. I do not think that is positive at all. Now, the it plays into the narrative, which is people saying inflation is, is more tame, which means the Fed is going to likely pivot. But I, I, uh, you already know, I think that story is very long in the tooth. And I think if you just objectively look at the data that was put out by Walmart. No, I do not think it's a positive, generally speaking, for the market. And I did not expect it to be up much higher. No, not at all. Let's get uh, more on retail in the state of the consumer. Jerry Storch, former CEO of Hudson's Bay and Toys R Us. He now runs Storch Advisors. Jerry, always great to get your take. Do you think the likes of a Walmart and Target, do you think the worst is behind them? We threw the woods? Well, I think this is a story old as time, since Target and Walmart were both founded. 60 years ago in 1962, during tough economic times, consumers go to Walmart. Why they trade down? They want value, value, value. In great times, Target does better. There's nothing new about this story. And, you know, in fact, if uh, Walmart saw the results they delivered today, a year ago, they would have been apoplectic to see such a decline in their operating income and their inventories bloated. So, look, the good news is it didn't get worse. Three weeks ago, they warned as if things were falling apart and even getting worse and worse and worse. Now they backtracked and they're back to where they were before they warned. So at least things aren't getting worse. But this is a typical pattern in a time when consumers are stressed and in an inflationary economy. It's been true for 60 years and it's true now. Um, you were the former vice chair of Target. So what do you think this bodes for Target's earnings tomorrow? Does this mean that Target may be in worse in in trouble perhaps because well, target doesn't have the groceries well i guess they're ahead they only had their uh you know worn once you know after earnings which they did back <laughs> in early june so i think i think they took a big enough hit when they took that hit and they're smart enough not to want to take another one that they've lowered expectations and they have a chance of beating them uh, you know the consumer does still have money we're not in a depression after all uh the, target is still one of the places where they like to go during tough economic times. It's just they prefer Walmart because it's cheaper and everyone knows it's cheaper. So, you know, Target has a lot more discretionary items and the consumer is headed towards food where Target is not as strong and, you know, away from apparel and electronics where Target tends to be very strong. So it's a worse environment for Target by just a little bit. But I wouldn't think that means they're going to do terribly tomorrow. I think if they had bad news coming, we would have known about it by now. So I expect them to slightly beat very steeply lowered expectations. Just keep how badly, just keep in mind how badly both of these companies are doing this quarter compared to their historical norms. And, and those expectations are down 30% from Q1. Jerry, I'm going to ask you a question, though, uh, about the warning on inventory and, and the, the impact that both these stocks saw. Was that fair? Um, again, we're talking about an inventory dynamic that's very challenging. Or was, uh, were the markets actually imputing uh, the consumer and the dynamics you're talking about upon their stock prices? 
Look, the the uh, you know these are great companies. These are really smart people, but they got rope-a-dope by the supply chain issues last year into buying too much of the wrong inventory. They will not make that mistake again. They have a lot to work through. Target has a lot to work through. They took a huge markdown. Walmart still, you know, Doug said today, he's still got over a billion dollars of inventory he really doesn't want to have. He's still up 25% year over year. So he's still got a problem on his hands that he's got to digest. But they're not going to make that problem going forward. They're not stupid. They've seen the change in the consumer, the shift towards consumables, the shift towards food, and that's where they're going to focus their inventory. They'll make smart bets. You know, he mentioned on inflatable Halloween uh, items, which are huge sellers these days. Halloween is burgeoning as a holiday. But they'll bet on that, but they won't bet on everything across the board and hard lines anymore. You know, they're going to keep their, they're going to mine their expense rate, which is the best at in the world, and they're going to do a good job as we get to the fourth quarter. I'm not worried at all. About any of these companies, Target, Walmart, Costco, et cetera, they're going to do great. It's the guys who are already in trouble who never really figured out their strategies. You know, Bed Bath & Beyond or a Kohl's or a Gap who are in big trouble. You know, they're trying to sell uh, ice cream to Eskimos right now and trying to sell apparel, you know, out there when no one wants to buy it. So I think some of these other companies are in big trouble and some of the smaller mom and pops are in big trouble as we get to the fourth quarter. I like ice cream in winter as well, Jerry. I mean, I think it's an all-weather kind of food. Um, but, but in terms of, you know, the notion that Walmart is appealing much more to those with household incomes above $100,000, how do you extrapolate that? How do you think about the retail sector in terms of who might be feeling that pain with the trade down? Sure. You know, again, if I hadn't heard this story over 60 years so many times, I might think it was a new story. But every mm -hmm. time the economy gets stuffed, they say, oh, look, higher income people are shopping with us now. Look, nobody likes to get taken. So, you know, when prices go up, even people with a lot of money, they go, look, Walmart's a lot cheaper. And they are. Take, do the price checks yourself. Walmart is a heck of a lot cheaper than going to the neighborhood grocery store for gosh sakes, which is where the biggest gap is. They manage the price margin so that it's like 15 to 30 percent less expensive to go to Walmart than it is to your neighborhood grocery store. So people aren't foolish. So they see that difference. And even people with money go, I don't like getting ripped off. And especially during a double-digit inflationary period like this, then they look at the deals at Walmart and they go and shop there. But as soon as times get good again, they go, you know, I really don't like Walmart that much. It's kind of dirty. You know, there's dust there. It's this and it's that. They're out of stock. I don't know what. But then they go back to right to where they used to shop. So I don't expect that to be a permanent change. I think that, like I said, I've seen this story so many times that I don't think this is some, you know, uh, sort of, a, you know, fantastic change in the world or in the consumer. It's what always happens when times get tough. And keep in mind, most of Walmart's growth, in fact, almost all of it was simply inflation. You know, you had right. double digit growth in, in, in grocery prices, and that was where they had double digit growth. I'd say based on the calculations, they didn't exactly say it, but something like 80 to 90% of their comp sales growth was just inflation. And now they're forecasting a 3% same store sales growth for the third quarter. I don't think that's even gonna be Keeping up with inflation. You want to bet it's not going to be more than 3% inflation year over year next quarter? Jerry, it's always great to get your take and the context of the situation. <laughs> Jerry Storch of Storch Advisors. Um, do they hold on to those higher income concerns? Maybe, dare I say it, maybe it's different this time. With a streaming service, <laughs> I don't know if Walmarts are dirty because I don't go to Walmart. I order online. I've never stepped foot in a, well, not never, hardly ever. 
but I order in lo- online constantly, Dan. And maybe that's the difference this time. Yeah, I, I think you want to listen to a guy like Jerry, given his experience in that. And, you know, Target has obviously gone for a different experience there. And you just mentioned, you know, they don't lean into the groceries. That thing is a lot more apparel. And if you listen to what they said, Target said this and Walmart said this, those higher margin, more discretionary items they're having a hard time with, they've been having a hard time with for months. So those are the sorts of items that would keep that sort of shopper if they know they're there and there's a better grocery experience. So Walmart is not that. And and they will not change that. The best case that they have is really doing a Walmart Prime that looks like a lot of DTC that mm-hmm. bundles in a lot of other services. That's their best bet. I have been to plenty of Walmarts. I like shopping at Walmarts. I, but uh, but what I'm saying is it's not it's not a target experience and it's not a higher end experience that you would expect right. as it comes to apparel. Yeah. When I heard about um, consumers trading down and higher income household being the new Walmart customer, Tim, I thought of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And do those customers start trading down? You were just railing against the price yeah, increases I, I, at Starbucks. I, I think Starbucks is at a place where uh, you're going to see those folks trading down. And, and I think it's, Starbucks has a quality issue. Starbucks has a bunch of different issues, including their pricing issues. And, and, and back to Walmart, I think the company does deserve a better multiple. Mm-hmm. Jerry made it black and white very clear. Uh, bad times you go to Walmart, yeah. good times you go to Target. But, but Walmart has not pivoted overnight. Walmart's always had their strength in groceries. They've always had their strength. Uh, they are the price leader. They push people around. They will continue to do this. But they've been planning for years. And the argument that those Walmart stores are basically the same logistics and ERP that Amazon spent a lot of money building, Walmart already has a lot of that. So their pivot into the Walmart Prime and that kind of a business to me is something I think they deserve a better multiple for. By the way, Walmarts may be dirtier, but I'm dirtier when I go to Walmart. I mean, I actually feel like I don't need to get dressed up. I feel like I can it's kind more of comfortable. I, I, I tell it's you, more it's, comfortable. it's a better place to be. Uh, coming up, I like saving money, so I'll go wherever. <laughs> Uh, Modernize or move. We're raising the roof on the housing trade as investors digest fresh data. What the numbers as well as Home Depot's earnings say about the housing market. Plus, deer caught in the headlights. A chart master flagging some troubling technicals. He'll break down the levels in just a few. Fast Money's back right after this. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janus Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janus Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. It's a house divided in the housing market today, with shares of Home Depot up more than 4% after reporting better-than-expected earnings. Meanwhile, housing starts tumbled nearly 10% in July to their lowest level since February 2021. So what's the state of the housing trade? Bonwin, what's your take? Well, I think what's bad for the left hand is good for the right. I think the trouble that we're having in terms of new build is actually a boon to existing and for do-it-yourself or, or professional contractor type of work. If you're unable to kind of trade up, I think you're more likely, particularly with, with flexible work continuing the way it is, I'll get to that in a second, I think that you're more likely to be able to spend that money fixing up a home rather than taking on new debt to try to trade up to, to another market or to you know a, a more desirable home or location. With that said, I do think you know Apple announced like they're gonna be moving people back to work. I think that might be what I look for in terms of possible downside to the to your you know home de- depots of the world your lows of the world that might be the the headwind that really kind of starts to shift uh, consumer sentiment towards these names. But as it stands right now, I think, you know, the housing market is challenged. I said before, I think this is really the linchpin of the economy in which you need to continue to drive forward. But again, I don't think what's good for one is necessarily good for the other. And I think you're kind of seeing those differences, those divergences in terms of the Mm -hmm. things that contribute to uptrends, you know, um, play out in the Home Home Depot um, price action today. The reaction to in Home Depot to the earnings is very interesting early this morning because initially the stock was lower and, you know, they had uh, fewer transactions and yet higher and higher price. ticket prices. Yep. Inflation played a role in that, as Jerry Storch had highlighted. Without inflation, who knows where those trend, you know, the total, um, you know, ticket price would be on checkout, Courtney. So how do you how do you look at this? Was this just sort of swept up in the retail revival as we talked about at the top or, or is this actually a good story? Well, I think what you have to look at, right, is this is backwards looking and clearly inflation has been a problem, right? We're looking at peak inflation and yes, people are having to spend less at Home Depot because things are costing more. But if commodity prices are coming down, that's ultimately going to help demand towards Home Depot. I do think a soft housing market, which is likely going to continue at least for the near term, is actually positive for Home Depot because these are going to help people who are already locked into these lower interest rates, aren't going to be looking to jump into new houses, which are now priced so much higher. So yes, they're going to be spending more at Home Depot. Plus you have all the pro sales there. So I think this is actually... Longer term, a good story for Home Depot. Return to office. That's an interesting dynamic. You're not at home looking at the caulk that needs to be redone, Tim. You're going to the office instead. Uh, look, if you're not careful, you got you to redo caulk every, you know, 18 months, it's, folks. It I mean, dirty. be careful. The bathrooms can get bad. I mean, no, I, 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 the DIY, by the way, again, the do-it-yourself and all that for, for the home body um, was part of the, 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 the you know, the part of this that actually didn't sell well. So, and, and the pro sales are what kept them in the game, but the guy at home's not doing a lot at Home Depot. Yeah, I think your point though, this stock was trading down after those results came yeah. out and it really got going as it looked like Walmart was gonna take off. Um, I think that Lowe's is gonna be really interesting tomorrow when you think about like valuations and where stocks deserve to trade. I mean, Home Depot is trading at a discount to where it traded easily with a, with a 20 plus multiple PE multiple for years into this decline here. And now you're expecting, you know, single digits, maybe mid-ish earnings earnings and sales growth for Home Depot trading around 19 times. Well, Lowe's trades about 15 and a half times or so. Expected earnings growth better than Home Depot. So let's see what Lowe's puts up. I mean, that one looks more interesting to me on a valuation basis. All right. There's a lot more fast money to come. Here's what's up next. Bad news for Bambi. Deer rallying hard from its lows. But the chartmaster says this stock could be about to get bucked. He'll break down the levels next. 
Plus, solar stocks needing some sunscreen. The group getting burned in today's session. So should you break out the aloe or keep soaking up the sun? You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Industrial size gains for some industrial names recently. Deer and Cat up double digits over the past month. But can this run continue? Let's go off the charts with the chart master, Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. Carter, what are you looking at? Well, let's look at the sector first, uh, XLI, the spider for the entire sector S&P 500, and then look at Deer. So what do we know? We know where it bounced. It bounced to the penny off of that trend line or what you would call a level of support, which is the pre-COVID high. The second iteration really tells the story though. Look at this, where have we bounced to? We've bounced right to the downtrend line um, that's been in effect since the high on the second chart. And so the question is, does this start to falter here? That's my thinking. It's the definition of a rally to a difficult level. Uh, but deer itself has been even sort of more dynamic and therefore more of a rally to a difficult level. Now, you can talk about a megaphone. It doesn't matter whether you call your pattern a head and shoulder, a cup and handle. It, it, that's all for selling books. What it is, though, is a rally to a difficult level. That is where overhead supply comes into play. And if we zero in on the here and now chart, and you'll see it next, we've returned quite precisely to the June high. So just finally, look at the percentages. You, you plunge uh, 23, 24% from the June high, not from the all-time high, of course, and then return to it. This is where sellers emerge from above and people who bought well just two, three weeks ago emerge from below, looking to, in principle, book uh, profits. And so I'm a seller here. Write calls against your long at a minimum, but do something. Don't just ride the ride. Usually when you're feeling comfortable that it's all free blue skies, it's something happens. Carter, these are specifically sort of the construction, the equipment names that you're focusing in on. But in terms of industrials more broadly, do you see similar charts for others, a Honeywell, a GE, a, you name it? Well, things like Eaton and Emerson have bounced a lot, but then there are industrials like GE that are very depressed and um, mm -hmm. in principle have upside. But I think that XLI chart really tells the tale where uh, where industrials found their footing and how much they've bounced now. Um, they too, as an aggregate, as a theme, I think are good trim candidates. All right, Carter, good to see you, thank you. Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. Tim, you agree? Well, he says 
go do something. And, and ultimately, I think the rotation we've seen in markets into industrials and, and, and transports, I mean, look at the IYT, look at the XLI, um, through the 200, and it's the race to get back above the 200, and downtrend lines are broken. So Carter said, you know, what do you do with that? I, I, I look at Deere, and I look at the valuation, and it's easy to actually get reasonably excited based upon what you think. If all this other dynamic that we're talking about in terms of the economic headwinds, though, are, are true, and, and also on some level you've seen uh, a little bit of a front-loading of, of of you know some of the the construction, but some of the ag products, and and I think that's something that is something to be considered. I, so uh, ultimately, I don't really want to own this sector. I actually think markets are going higher overall, and I think therefore you could continue to see some move here. But this value trade, um, I think, will be replaced more by defensive value, and I think that really means high tech. I mean, if ag prices go down, financing costs um, continue to tick higher. That's not necessarily a recipe for success for for either of these stocks. So you're talking about a stagflationary environment. You're talking about a global growth that just doesn't really feel like it's all going to come together at the same time. If you think about some of the data that we saw over China in the weekend, it thinks like Europe is going to be a malaise for a very long time. And, and again, you know, I just don't think this is that constructive. I think Tim kind of nailed it. It was a rotation into a value sort of trade where the sentiment was really bad. But I just don't see us coming out in a rip-roaring fashion, at least the U.S., um, because I do believe that we're probably not far behind what is likely a recession in Europe. And China has always been one of the locales that drives a lot of interest in a lot of these sorts of names, whether, uh, you know, industrials. In this sector, in the XLI, the largest holding is Union Pacific. So, I mean, when you think about this, it's kind of all mashed up with transports, too. I don't love them here. Yeah, I, I do think, though, if we're looking at some of the names that were mentioned, right, like a deer versus a cat, I actually would look at a deer versus a cat, because although we're looking at your industrials in total, I think your agriculture space, there is still this big supply issue where there's a lot of, whether it's used or new equipment, there's a huge undersupply right now. And a lot of these uh, farmers are actually incentivized to get new, more efficient technology equipment. And that's where I think deer really stands as a longer-term standpoint, whereas construction, which is cat, you're actually seeing a lot less construction spending. So. I think industrials in total is one thing, but if we have to look at them, I'd actually look at a deer over a cat. Self, would you rather? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> She's not afraid. Old Coming games up. and new tonight. <laughs> is the sun setting on the solar trade? The group getting burned in today's session, so is it time to find some shade? The details next. <laughs> Plus, pedal to the metal, auto nation speeding to new all-time highs. So what had shares hitting all green lights? We'll break it down when Fast Money returns. Get your trades to go with the Fast Money Podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Cloudy skies for solar stocks today. The tan solar ETF losing almost a percent and a half after a big run this month. The move lower comes as President Biden signs the Inflation Reduction Act into law, a package that includes billions in clean energy credits. So can solar stocks rebound from here? Bonoan, you follow this space. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Inflation Reduction Act was a big tail one for the space. And what you saw was a lot of these names moving 70, 80, 90 percent over the last two, three months. And I think, you know, it makes sense from a top-down view as you kind of want that secular exposure. But I think we're at the point now, and it, today may be an early indication, that you want to start taking a bit of a bottom, bottoms-up approach. A lot of these names trade in triple-digit forward price-to-earnings, have quite a bit of debt on, on their balance sheet, which is why First Solar is one of those names that I really like. It's got manageable uh, debt debt load and, you know, trades at, again, it's expensive vis-a-vis the rest of the market, but vis 
vis-a-vis peers, it's actually a decent valuation. I think, um, again, I pitched it earlier, I think it's one of these names where you might want to look at stock replacement via calls. Vols are low, it's an opportunity for you to continue to possibly ride the wave, but take some chips off the table and still keep your upside exposure. Court. Yeah, I think some of my concern with your your solar stocks here, and this has been something I talk about with clients not just the last couple of months, last couple of years, is this is where the future is heading. But I think a lot of that has been priced into these stocks. They trade so much more expensive than, like, for example, some of your clean energy sources. So, yes, I do think the future is headed this way. But I actually think probably a better way of playing this is looking at things like um, like things like copper, right? Some of your clean energy metals, for example. I think some of those might have a little more room here, which aren't at such crazy valuations. I think ultimately that's a little my problem with it in the Term. I think that's what people sort of miss in this whole thing, and that is that the metals needed to um, actually create and manufacture solar panels, solar installations, those have gone up in price too. So we're Absolutely. at a point now where you can have projects, but it's much, much more costly to do and complete, and a lot of them have been scrapped, in fact. Yeah, copper prices, uh, as we know, were kind of up in the 470s. All-time highs have pulled back dramatically, but still you know, above where they've been over the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, this also coming on a day when we've already talked about this news, but you know, Germany more formally has gone ahead and said, look, we are actually going to keep our last three remaining nuclear power plants open at a time when we have a major gas problem, and we know that they're safe. So you know, I know this is a lot of debate out there, and this isn't the forum to do it, but I, I think nuclear is safe, and I think it's, you know, to me, it's almost surprising to me that you don't see more of a rally today on that kind of a news, because this is an endorsement for nuclear, too. Yeah. Coming up, going above and beyond, shares of Bed Bath & Beyond rocketing higher as retail traders flood in. How an executive at GameStop is helping fuel this rally. But first, check out AutoNation revving up to all-time highs. Is this stock ready for a long road trip? We're breaking it down when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Auto Nation topping the tape and surging to an all-time high today. So what's driving this stock higher? Let's bring an auto analyst, Michael Ward with the Benchmark Company. Michael, great to have you with us. Um, I want to first deal with today's surge. Was there any anything behind this? Well, I think there were two things. I did hear that one of the big brokerage firms had a positive report out there. Uh, but also the news from Walmart and Home Depot is certainly good news on the consumer side. At the same time, Michael, what's interesting to me in the notes is that you, you say that the consumer, I mean, it sounds like you think investors have got the story wrong, that if there's trouble for the consumer, it means trouble for AutoNation, and that that's not necessarily true. Well, I think the market's got two things wrong. I think they have it wrong on the entire auto sector. Huh. You know, basically the position that it's in relative to other downturns, the auto industry should outperform <laughs> the rest of the global economy over the next 12 to 18 months. I mean, third quarter alone, production will be up 30%. And specific to the dealers and specific to AutoNation, I, I think they have it completely wrong because historically, less than 10% of expected deliveries over the next six months uh, would be backed by a, a consumer order. Now it's over 70%. And so really over the next six to 12 months, uh, to me, it's almost indifferent what the consumer does. So over the six, next six to 12 months or so, you think that sales are pretty much secure just because inventory is so low. The, the demand Absolutely. is so high. There's not enough. There are enough orders out there, and mm-hmm. so every vehicle that's being delivered to a dealer is being delivered to a consumer. And, and so as a result, unless you saw a big wave of increase in cancellations or those sorts of things, uh, yes, sales will still be strong. But we haven't seen any evidence yet of cancellations. If anything, the order book is getting stronger. 
how much, I mean, when will we see sort of those cancellations? I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how sensitive uh, an auto dealer or maybe an automaker is to a softening consumer. Maybe things are, are good right now and inventories are tight, et cetera. But at some point down the line, when unemployment ticks higher, people start losing their jobs or dealing with a, a lot of other costs. They may not want that car. There may be no reason for them to have that car anymore. Yeah, in certain regions, that could be a case. But right now, if I, I've been following the auto sector for 40 years, and this is the most bullish I've seen the underlying demographic trends for vehicle demand in that entire 40-year period. The vehicle fleet right now is the oldest ever been. It's over 12 years of age. And over the last five years, you've had the biggest increase in licensed drivers since the 70s. So vehicle demand is going to become even stronger over the next five years than it's been the last five years. And one other you know, driving point on that is the millennials. People aren't paying attention to demographics. The prime age for home and vehicle ownership is the 40 to 45 age group. And millennials, which is a bigger wave of the baby boomers, the oldest ones turned 40 in 2021. So we have a big wave ahead of us. Talk to us about the, the used car dynamic here. I read um, that 90% of their used car inventory was self-sourced, and that gives them some sort of big advantage either by lease um, trade-ins, you know, we buy your car, that sort of thing. Is Are we still in an environment where that used car inventory is still really important? It's vital. And, you know, most people trade their car in when they're getting a new one. And, and you know, that's about 80% of demand is, you know, people are trading in their vehicles. And so what AutoNation is able to do is they can self-source those used vehicles so they're not forced to go out and pay the premium prices. It's part of the overall transaction. And so they can determine which, which vehicles they want to keep or which vehicles they want to sell back to the auction markets. And so that is a very important dynamic to follow. Companies like Carvana have to go out and self-source that inventory where the customers are coming into the AutoNation showroom as part of the trade-in and as part of the total overall equation. Michael, great to get your take. Thank you. Thank you very much. Michael Ward of the Benchmark Company. He's got a 185 price target on AutoNation. That's about 50 bucks of upside from here. Tim, what do you think of this one? I like it. Um, I, you know, my exposure in the auto space is, uh, first of all, agreeing with all the trends he's talking about in terms of supply demand t dynamics and, and where we are with some of the overall demographics and where we are with vehicle life, et cetera, um, puts me straight into the OEMs. I mean, I'd rather own Ford or GM. Um, and to me, I think I, I look at the business in Ford and I look at the, the gross margin improvement of this business and they're, they're obsessed by cost control. And that's something that in the auto sector is something I don't think we've given them credit for. So um, agree that I think that the auto sector demand trends are more insulated in this environment because of demand, uh, even though affordability factors. I think look, pricing an auto for Ford, we heard this last quarter, they're raising prices dramatically. And so far, it's working. Um, the demographic aspect is really interesting in terms of the uptick in licensed drivers, in terms of the millennials being a bigger wave coming um, than baby boomers. I mean, that's tremendous. Yeah, the millennials are actually a larger generation already than baby boomers. And I think that that same idea goes into housing, right? Where right now what we're seeing with cars is there's this pent-up demand that now people are still trying to get all their cars. And that's that's why we're trading down for things like Walmart, so that we can get our cars we've been pushing off. And I think that's probably going to happen with housing, right, as housing is slowing down. But we're just pushing that issue down the line. There's a huge generation that's coming. They're all starting families. They need cars. They need houses. And I think that's going to be a trend over the longer term that's only pushing it down the line. Bonoin? 
Yeah, there's no arguing against a demographic um, shift and also the, the supply-demand dynamics. If I had one bone to pick, and I'm super splitting hairs here, it would be the consumer finance acquisition that they recently made. I would assume that going into where we are in terms of you know the economy and where we are with the consumer, you might see some charge-offs related to that, and you might see some uh, uh, margin of safety kind of erosion there. But other than that, I, you know, I think it makes a very compelling argument. Coming up, shares of Bed Bath & Beyond surging higher as the retail traders flood and will break down what had this stock moving next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer Cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of Sonova. Catch the full exclusive interview, top of the hour on Mad Money. Meantime, Check out shares of Bed Bath & Beyond rallying as much as 70%, 70% at its peak today, helping fuel the move higher is news that GameStop chairman Ryan Cohen is getting in on the action. A regulatory filing shows Cohen's RC Ventures bought call options on 1.6 million shares of Bed Bath & Beyond, betting the stock is headed about 300% higher by January. Mike Coe is breaking this trade down. Mike. What do you make yeah, of this? this one? Well, this is pretty incredible. Okay, so first of all, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond traded about two million contracts today. That would represent 200 million shares. That's 7.8 times the average daily volume. And by the way, the float is only about 65 million shares. So the options volume represents about three times the float. Now we saw a lot of activity in strikes as high as the 45s. Those were actually that expired at the end of this week. Those were the most active contracts, but the ones that really caught my eye and the ones that he indicated he was purchasing go out to January of 2023. He was buying strikes from 60 up to 80. The 80s traded over 100,000 contracts today. Those were trading uh, for several dollars uh, a share, over three bucks. So buyers of those are risking a material portion of the current stock price on bets that the squeeze that we're looking at here could continue maybe much, much higher. What was interesting is that shortly after this, GameStop shares started to surge as well. I mean, this is all part of this meme complex going on and the risk trade back on. Tim, what do, you, what do you think? What do you make of all this? Well, I, I look at the short interest in, in Bed Bath & Beyond and, you know, 36, 37 percent, at least the readings I'm getting, they could be a little stale. But and if anything, maybe there's been, you know, that number's lower because there's been a short squeeze. But this is a stock that's had those numbers up close to 60 percent. And, and so, uh, again, the, the existential dynamics to me at Bed Bath & Beyond are different than a GameStop or even an AMC. Uh, I think they have a business. They have balance sheet issues. And so, again, that was also an issue uh, at AMC. Uh, I'm not surprised to see this, and this is a broader market dynamic with what's going on with meme stocks and risk. Karen actually emailed me a chart of, of Bed Bath & Beyond's debt, which is trading horribly compared to what the right. stock is doing, and said they should raise money immediately and take advantage of this um, stock. As, as those other two companies did. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but but here's the thing, okay? Is it the tail wagging the dog? Just because he goes out there and buys a bunch of calls that are way out of the money, there, there's no fundamental reason why this stock should ever trade there. He is squeezing the shorts yeah. deliberately. Right. And let me tell you, if he did that, and then the stock rallies the way to do, and then they sell stock, buyer beware there, because there's no fundamental reason why the stock should be here right now. I think that's fair to say. And so, I, I mean, to me, this feels like a big fugazi, as the kids say. As the guy says. Oh, that's what The guy <laughs> I mean, it's real. I mean, but yeah, exactly. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Fundamentals are if, real. If he doesn't go do this, he knows that buying all those calls so far out of the money is going to squeeze the stock. Well, what's and I never mean, have to, to act think on about it. what he's spending 
to buy those calls to produce this much more in market cap. That's an interesting dynamic, too. I mean, that's probably a great trade on his part. Yeah, and I mean, we can sit here all day long and we can talk about what the fundamentals are, but that's what we're going to do is look at the technicals of the company. But that's not what this is trading on. That's not what the meme stocks have done. And I think I think we've all seen over the last year, you can't necessarily bet against these retail traders. Mm-hmm. They clearly have a lot more power and they're realizing that. So, no, for the fundamentals, it's not something you're looking at, but it's not to say it can't happen. Mike? Would you be inclined at this point to put on a uh, bearish options trade on Bed Bath, or is that just waters too treacherous to tread in? Yeah, so a, a bearish bet, if it meant selling some upside call spreads or something like that, trying to collect some of this highly elevated premium mm-hmm. in the event that the effort to squeeze it doesn't work out, that might make sense. Shorting the stock, absolutely not. Selling naked calls, absolutely not. And buying puts, probably not either because they're just too pricey. All right, Mike, thanks for that. Mike Coe. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Final trade time, Bonowin. Spike all stock replacement. Tim? That higher income trade down in Walmart shares to me is attractive. I think it's stickier than the market. Courtney? Dear, we talked about this earlier. I actually do like their long-term, uh, their long-term story here. Dan. Yeah, AutoNation, powerful breakout. Look to reload maybe on the long side at that breakout level. Such a fun show tonight. Courtney, would you rather? Bonowin didn't br- bring back any guests. I mean, a successful outing. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Fast. We'll see you back here <laughs> tomorrow at five. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.